just a perfect day. Feed animals in the zoo. Then later, a movie too, and then home. Oh, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with you. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Fear me, a podcast about fear of the Walking Dead. I'm Kim. This is Stuart and Scott. And this is episode six of our podcast, and we are going to be recapping episode five of Fear the Walking Dead. That's not confusing um, at all. I know. It's way too close to numbers. Not a bit. Not a bit. I'm following. <laughs> and if any of you guys ever want to get in touch with us, you can email us at fearmepodcast at gmail.com. And please send us your feedback about any of the episodes or any of our podcasts. Um, or if you have any comments or suggestions for anything, we'd love to hear it. Or just to find out if you're alive out there. Yes. We'd like to know that we actually have some listeners. Or you could visit us at fearmepodcast.com. Oh, that's right. Our website is up and running, guys. How about that? Yay! That's exciting. Yes, it is. You can also find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Fear Me Podcast. And you can leave comments there, too. Okay, so overall, what are you guys feeling? Oh, wait, before we even start that, I just wanted to preface this podcast, this episode, by saying <laughs> last week I was very exhausted when we recorded, and I feel like I was a bit critical about everything. I was listening to the podcast again, and I thought that maybe I was overly critical about the entire episode. And one of our listeners wrote in and said that it was pretty obvious that we didn't like the show at all. And I have to say, mm -hmm. I do actually like this show. I am just still not really happy with some of the things that the the writers are throwing in there. And especially like putting the using the um, flashlight to look through the windows, that still really irks me to no end. So, yeah, I'm critical of the show, but I actually do like it. So I just wanted to throw that out there, just in case. Well, no, I, I agree. We, we definitely like the show. Um, and, in fact, I still have to say I liked the flashlight part. I mean, what's a horror without somebody, like, yelling at the screen saying, you idiot, get away from the window, or the guy's right behind you? Yeah, it, that was, like, probably the worst. It's, that's just stupid to me. That was just really stupid. <laughs> All right. Anyways, 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 you were tired last week. I was Obviously, exhausted last week. you were week. full of energy this week. <laughs> much better off this week because, yeah, whatever. But um, tired Kim means critical Kim. So that's what yeah. happened. This so means you're going to be giddy tonight, huh? Great. Yeah, exactly. So don't hate. Don't hate. Um, okay, so overall, <laughs> what did you guys think of this episode? Scott? Um, oh, actually, I enjoyed it a lot. Good. I was very impressed with it. Are you kidding me? No. You're freaking kidding me. No. Okay. No, no. no. I, I did. Okay. I thought it was actually really good. Um, I do have two alternate titles for it. Mm-hmm. It's uh -oh. uh, the episode of Mystery <laughs> or the Walkerless episode. The Walkerless episode? Yes, the Walkerless episode. Well, you know, technically there was a walker because there was a dead one under the yeah, truck. Yeah, well, whatever. Well, we don't know that. Looked kind of stiff. I was actually thinking the exact same thing as far as the mystery or um, just starting out the episode. I was a little, I was a little peeved because they they drop us nine days later, and I was like, "What the hell?" You know, we, what happened during this nine days? And then thinking about it a little bit more, um, you know, these people are trapped behind this fence, and uh, I think the whole episode itself, once I got over the being pissed off part. Um, was full of these little puzzles or these little things that are happening around them outside this fence. Um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of fed little pieces now and then uh, when uh, the mom goes out. God, I'm forgetting her Madison. name again. But she goes out Maddie. outside. The, yeah, Maddie goes outside the fence and uh, sees all these dead bodies, a lot of whom have not actually turned. Let me let me step in here and say that I thought one of the reasons why I like this is because for the first time I felt like these characters were acting a little real. Yeah. Um, I liked the fact that they were standing around and talking to people. 
about stuff. Um, I like that they were a lot more curious in this episode than they've been in any episode. Um, and to me, that makes up for a lot of the lack of reality in the other episodes. Um, I also love the fact that, you know, we're starting to get some non-zombie mysteries going. Some, some, they, the military is a perfect bane for that. I mean, they're, they're coming in as the, as the strong arm, you know, rather typical military fiction, but you know, that you see on shows and so forth. But well, yeah, I mean, what are like, what are the soldiers actually doing? Uh, where are the, where is this doctor yeah. who's working with the soldiers taking people? Right. And why um, are they taking mm-hmm. them? Well, yeah, exactly. Why are they taking, like, I mean, we, we can kind of guess that they're taking them because, um, they, you know, they think that they're going to be some sort of trouble. Yeah. Um, it, it actually almost kind of, I mean, I don't, I hate to keep comparing it back to the walking dead, but the whole thing kind of reminds me of the, the governor and, um, and his little town. Yeah. But I'm wondering um, if know. it has more to do with, with some kind of experimentation or something, because I, the thing I don't understand then would be, if there are live people in the surrounding areas, or if there were live people in the surrounding areas, why are they killing mm-hmm. them? Right. Well, I mean, that, again, that's one of the other mysteries. And then also through that entire thing, that I guess the question gets emboldened a little bit at the end, is you've got this person that's trying to signal them the entire time. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe, you know, can they convince the military to go out there and try and, you know, find this person? Um, you know, who is it? Is right. it somebody at the start? You're like, is it somebody? Because right. they're like, well, maybe it's just a reflection. Mm-hmm. But then the signaling's at night, and you're like, okay, someone's actually doing it with a the flashlight. There's yeah. no way that's just a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the end, they go kill him. So what the hell is that about? That's, again, that comes back to why are these people stuck in this fence? Yeah. Well, Kim, and what how did you the think? hell did they build a fence in a day? <laughs> it, it was nine nine days. Um, well, I know, but they they, they had to build it in less mm-hmm. than that time. But. So this uh, is by far my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, I think it had all the elements from The Walking Dead that I've come to enjoy from the show. Even though there weren't any real zombies in this episode, um, that's not always a bad thing because I think it's the fear of not knowing that makes it a better episode. And um, I was a little miffed about skipping nine days as well. But I think, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking these writers just don't know how to write for the apocalypse. Like they know how to do it for when the storyline is immersed in the actual apocalypse itself, but they do not have a good grasp of how to build the characters or how to present the world as it's falling apart. And I think that they missed a real opportunity with all of that, with building up this point. But I think now that we're here, it's absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought it was it was interesting that we could go in just two episodes from wild rioting yeah. and roaming dead to empty areas of just dead bodies. Um, also the one thing kind of stood out a little bit to me, they, they kept implying, but what they were talking about is that the military was elsewhere in the city, right? Mm-hmm. right. Why was there never any sounds of fighting? Yep. One of those questions. Cause it was silent. Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the big questions is, are these guys telling the truth? Well, I think it's obvious they're not. Yeah. But I mean, how, how much of a lie is it? Are there, is there any other group anywhere? Uh, I mean, we haven't been given a sign that there is. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just how much how much of it is is not true. Right. Right. Uh, We don't know anything. (laughs) And obviously these people don't know anything either because they've been kept behind this fence. But uh, uh, it took them nine days to finally Mm -hmm. see something, which seems a little odd in itself. Well, I think it's interesting that they they end up uh, really all the characters now are. Safe, but safe, but confused. Yeah, and uh, and definitely leery. Uh, let me throw this out there. What do you guys? I mean, I, I'm assuming you picked uh, three areas that you thought were done really well in the show. I picked five. My goodness, I had a lot. <laughs> Somebody's out of control. <laughs> Told you this Go would ahead. be a much better episode. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. What do um, you think? Well, the first thing that I really loved about this episode were the opening scenes. 
And that was where Nick was in the swimming pool and Travis was out for his morning run. Um, and when they, when I, when they first showed that on the screen, I thought maybe it was a flashback to the more normal times. And then we see Daniel Salazar. And then that's when it becomes apparent that it's actually the present time. Um, but them showing Nick and Travis doing their just normal thing made it feel like everybody's still in denial of what's happening around them and that they feel relatively safe in this compound um, and that they really trust the military so far that they're there to help save them and, and, and make everything better for them. But, um, well, I think the song, the song was just sarcastic to yeah. starting out. Yes. Yeah. Cause yes. it's like, it's a perfect day. Exactly. Right. And, uh, you know, here's, here's your perfect day. Hal's behind a fence with people that are controlling everything around you. Um, to make it seem like, oh yeah, you're just in suburbia still. Happy yeah. song that makes it even creepier. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I can imagine that people would actually be like that in the true apocalypse because you want to try to hold on to some sort of normalcy mm-hmm. um, before. I mean, I would consider. I, I mean, I would think that I would probably have like a mental breakdown <laughs> if something mm-hmm. like that happened. So, so you'd you, be Doug. Yeah, I might be Doug, but like you want to hold on to that normal way of life as much as you can and for as long as you can before you realize oh shit it's not going to be like that anymore right. you know so exactly. yeah so that was yeah. one of my favorite scenes good yeah, yeah. i thought i actually did think it was a little odd him running um mm-hmm. in that situation but uh i think also that gets magnified a little bit more by the daughter kind of pointing it out when they're arguing in the kitchen too right that like you guys are arguing like this is normal right it's not normal I thought, to me, I thought one of the most wonderful parts of the beginning scenes was uh, Chris's monologue. I thought it caught up everybody up on what was going on in the story at that moment Mm -hmm. in a very kind of Mm. interesting way. And it went along with the music perfectly. So that was one of my favorite parts. Before he sees the guy signaling? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was one of my favorite parts of the thing was Chris's monologue. That was great, too. I agree. What about you, Stuart? Uh, well, the song itself, starting uh-huh. out, but I think we already talked about that. That was um, that was probably one of my favorite points. Uh-huh. And then uh, following the person that's signaling from the house was a huge thing for me. Right. Um, and I think just them trying to um, capture just the essence of the apocalypse right. without really giving you too much information about what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they did that. You know, here, I mean, it's... You know, here we we watch Walking Dead and we watch uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead. And uh, the thing we're scared most about, supposedly, is the zombies. Um, But really, the thing that seems to scare, I mean, the zombies are more like, if they're right next to you, it's like, holy shit, zombie, kill it. But, like, the real (laughs) scary thing is... The people that are, are trying to take control. It's, it's like society what, breaking down. Exactly. That's society breaking part. down. And what are the limits of some people? Right. Um, yeah. That's and the true I think horror that's what of the series or so far is society breaking down. Right. And, but that's what we're seeing with this this military group is like the new group are like, oh, shit, what are they going to do? Right. Uh, what's, you know, what's their plan? Um, what is... Uh, what are they trying to control and what are they going to do to everybody? Well, I hope they have a... Have a uh, unique idea behind that because i don't want to have just another typical military takeover and yeah you know, like you said with the governor type thing I'd, I'd rather I, I, mean, yeah, I agree more that it's like yeah what's the twist on this one yeah well um i have a feeling it's going to be a real interesting twist i do too i was and i think it was very purposeful for them not to have a zombie in this one because i think we're going to get some some fun stuff in the next one yes i was just going to say that sorry Kate. that's okay um that everything you just said is kind is why we named the podcast fear me because you like the zombie is obvious obviously you're gonna fear a zombie coming at you and biting your face off but um it's the it's the people around you that you should probably fear the most because you don't know what they have in mind that you don't know what their intentions are um what their background is or any of that stuff um and so it's really the people that are around you that you should fear the most. And of course, somebody could be bitten and you don't know that either. And they could turn into a zombie and bite your face off. Well, I think, you know, I think we've, we've seen really that that is the premise behind the walking dead itself. Yeah. It's not the dead. 
it's the people they run into. Right. It's the people around them. It's it's uh, Terminex, Terminus, and uh, Terminex and is terrible too. It's Terminex too. Yeah, <laughs> terrible stuff. Read that in, you'll be choking for a while. Um, <laughs> now one, hey, one one thing I wanted to point out because I don't think you'll like this one as much as I did. Okay. But. I was happy as hell to see Maddie kick the shit out of Nick. Oh, that was one of my favorite parts of the entire show. Uh, that he kid needed it. that. Yep. He did. I was getting so tired of him and his little wretchedness. Well, you know yes. what, though? Like, up until this episode, um, and I think they kind of flipped it on me, because Travis's son is Chris. Um, yeah. I did not like him until this episode. Right. Until he was doing that monologue. Until he yep. was like, uh, you got to see, you know, what's going on up here. And then... Um, and he was also reaching out to his dad. Yeah. I mean, you could tell he was reaching out to his dad, which hadn't really been done too much before But that. He, he bothered me. I mean, his character did. Nick, yeah. um, I, his character doesn't bother me, but now he's like a scumbag all of a sudden because he's mm-hmm. getting his toe fix. And, uh, <laughs> toe fix is awesome. What a great name. Yeah, but he's, you know, it's um, he's lying to people just so, you know, he can get his fix. And he actually, he... Hinted at that in the last episode when he he made the comment to his mom about how the medicine was more important to him than she was. Right. Um, right. But so it, the characters kind of flipped on me. And yeah. um, I, I well, thought, Kim, you were you, you were right about the pills we were talking about last week. They were they were a symbol of Nick taking the medication. Yeah, but he didn't take those pills. You sure? Yes, I am definitely sure because if you if did you listen to the to the um. Letter that Alicia was reading at the very end of the episode that was from Susan, and it was a letter to her husband saying that she couldn't go on anymore. That's right. That's right. Oh, she, that was, okay. that's right. So it was she a suicide letter. Out. Yeah, it was a suicide uh, letter. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, because she was saying oh, yeah, that she had seen something that day that was um, how did she say? Uh, I can't remember the words she used now, but she said it was something abominable, abominable, or something like that. Um, like a snowman. So, so I was yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, How about she, that? she killed herself with those pills. So, if you want to say you're right, Scott, that's fine. First time today oh, I've been right. Whatever. So very happy about that. <laughs> Cry me a river. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the other things that I liked about this episode was um, the suspense and the tension. And I've said this before about other episodes, but this one was spot on. Right when Madison dove under the truck. Our power went out at the house, and hmm. it was like, oh, my God. And I texted you, Scott, and t- told you about our power going out, and you were like, don't look outside because you might see walkers. And I was like, oh, my God, I know. And it was like the tension. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn it. It really was. We were all running. <laughs> no, but seriously, like this one, this episode had me all pent up inside and I was like oh my god what's gonna happen mm-hmm. so it felt like a real horror show instead of just being yes. angry at everything the writers were doing I was actually enjoying it all well not on top nice. of that we had two children separately come down at the start of the episode which we mm-hmm. tripped over one of them in the hallway trying to put the other one back to bed and then the power <laughs> went out it was like something was totally against us watching this show yeah anyways Thank god they we got through it, it and thankfully yeah, thankfully they show it again at the so we're able yes. to see it. But it's like, oh my god! <laughs> well, I will tell you what, um, and probably the the I think one of the coolest things of the whole show was um, the scene that I now consider the creepiest of the whole show, and that was when they killed the Flasher at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty that messed because I actually was kind of questioning: Did they ever. actually just shoot him? Yeah. yeah, or is he having a rave? No, no, no. The military—they took <laughs> the information that Travis gave them, and they found the apartment building that he was in, and they went and shot him. But the question well, did, is, that's why? What I was wondering: Did he? Well, did they give him, or did he give enough information for them to even understand where what he was talking about? He didn't need. He said to. like he a just, house up on the hill. Yes, but he told them in essence there was someone alive up yeah. on the hill. And they went back looking, and I think that's why Maddie saw the patrols too. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's yeah. True. That was um, that was really messed up right at the end. Yeah. But, oh man, but, that was a devastating. Yeah. Image that's, think about that. what that's going to do to the characters too, because they had this person's mm-hmm. life in their hands basically, and yep. they let it slip away. And well, that happened to quite a few of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say the thing about Liza. Liza 
thought she was helping people and she was ending up providing information to have them taken away. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if that plays out because right now she's still kind of playing along, isn't she? Well, I think she she went along with him to help him. I don't think she had any malicious intent during any of this stuff. No, and no, not at all. No, she didn't know. She was definitely trying to help them. Um, well, Maddie sure, sure thinks she was trying to help them. <laughs> Maddie's pissed. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Ooh, yeah. boy, she is pissed. So I think the Maddie, the Madison and Liza storyline is going to be like mm-hmm. the Rick and Shane storyline from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. There's going to be pent-up anger against each other that is finally just going to be unleashed, and they're going to let each other have it. And it's yep. just the fight over Travis, of course, which is very much like the fight over Lori. Um, there's just a lot of parallels between the two shows with that storyline. Well, um, and getting back to Travis a little bit, Travis uh, was really pretty pitiful in this episode. I mean, he was getting manipulated by the captain over and over again. He was kind of in denial about things that were happening, that everybody was watching him. And... Uh, and hell, you know, he got to watch that captain in a shitty golf swing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and he probably even set up Doug by accident, you know. How do you say that? Well, just because, you know, Doug disappeared after talking to him. But at the same time, that last scene when he's seeing the, uh, the flasher get shot, um, I think that may have been a pivotal scene for him. I have a feeling we're going to come back next week and we're going to see a little bit different Travis. Yeah, he's not going yeah. to trust the military as much. He's not, and he's going to be angry. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I he's going to be very Yeah, because he, yeah, he was playing along the entire time. And, um, well, yeah, I think that actually that scene where he goes in to, uh, to go get Doug convinced that everything is, you know, okay... That right. I, that was kind of a freaky scene to me at first. Just I mean, for a little a short stint, just because he's going into this house, and I didn't know what the hell was wrong with Doug. Right? Did you? Well, I just get that feeling at all. Like I thought, well, maybe Doug's sick. Maybe there's something going on with Doug. Yeah, at first, sure. Yeah. But I I figured it was just depression, really. Okay. No, I thought that scene one of the one of the uh, um, most powerful parts of that scene for me was when he was actually walking up with the captain. He was telling the captain about working on his car for 30 years, and the captain's like, 30 years? Hey, so are you going to be able to help me here? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, <laughs> like, interest. Oh, yeah, this guy yes. is this guy's bad news. That guy is actually, his name is, um, the character's name is Lieutenant Moyers, and the actor's name is Jamie McShane. Was he the same guy that was in the back of the truck, standing there, like, giving the little speech? Yeah. Yes. Where he says, mm-hmm. like, ah, don't make me shoot you. Right. That's and then guy. there was, like, five-second pause, and it was like, ha, ha, ha. Exactly. He's the same guy <laughs> golfing. Oh, and, God. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he he's was a real awful. piece of work, that guy. Yeah, he was. Um, I thought thought Maddie's walkabout was interesting, but I, I'm still kind of shaking my head as the way she was able to sneak out and sneak back in without anybody seeing her. Yeah, very true. Okay, did you feel like, holy shit, she just cut a hole in the fence, now the walkers are going to be able to get in? That's the first thing that popped into my head. Really? I didn't I didn't think about that so much. I thought more about just the fact that, well, she's in the middle of the day and she's cutting through the fence and she's walking into town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of weird. But anyway, the, the actual scene, though, of going into town and all was very good. Well, that was actually one of my favorite things that I was going to talk about was, was Madison um, and how her storyline has progressed um, throughout mm-hmm. the series so far and how... You know how she portrayed, she's portrayed as a very strong person, and right. I think that she had to see things for her own eyes in order to believe it, so that's why right. she had to go out behind the fence, and it was almost like, I mean, I kind of agree with you, I think she was kind of scouting her way to that building where the people were um, making the signal, um, but then also, like, her seeing Nick ransack the neighbor's house searching for drugs, like finally she understands that he's not kicking the habit. And then she beat the shit out of him, which mm-hmm. is was great. That was like exactly what she needed to do. She's a practical woman and she's not naive. What do you think she was meaning when she said, you don't know? Okay, so here's what I think she means by that. Did you notice that she was drinking out of that little coffee mug a lot? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Obviously she's an alcoholic 
in my head. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the dirty little secret that she was trying to hide from Nick in the previous episodes. And when Mm -hmm. she says, you don't know, you don't know, she does know what he's going through in terms of an addiction because she's been there. And I think, but I think it's more than that. I think that she's trying to tell him in a way that she has gone through addiction, but also that he doesn't know what's really going on outside the walls. He doesn't even know what's Mm -hmm. going on inside the walls because he's like built up a wall around himself basically. And Mm -hmm. the drugs are fueling everything that he does and every thought that he has in his brain. So he has no idea about, um, the true danger that they're in both inside and outside the walls. And by, by continuing with the drugs, he's putting everybody in danger. Well, let me ask this though. So you, you think he's aware of her alcoholism? No, no, I don't think he has a clue. Okay. Okay. That's what I was thinking because the fact that he tells her, you know, back off, I'm the expert. Right. Yep. Um, I don't think he has a clue. I think it was probably something in a previous life, like maybe when the kids were little or before the kids mm-hmm. came along, or maybe even she's just been hiding it so well that nobody ever knew about it. Or maybe she's responsible for her husband's death. Oh, that's see, I think, I think, it tie, I tie, think it ties a lot more into the, the dad. Yeah. Cause it's like, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what, you know, what really happened. Could mm-hmm. be. Not that he doesn't know what happened, but right. he doesn't understand the loss that she feels. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, point. he kind of gets lost in his drugs and whatever because, you know, the dad died, but, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like losing a spouse. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, do you feel like when he was, um, after the fight, when his sister was talking to him, that, that he was clued in somewhat or did he still see, because to me, he still seemed a little bit dazed and confused. No, I think he's still out of it and has no clue what's going on. I think he's, well, he's still messed up. <laughs> I mean, if anybody thought that he was going to kick the habit in like an episode, I mean, come on. Uh Like he's, he's so far into the drug scene that there's no way he's going to kick it that quickly, especially when all hell's breaking loose. Like that's exactly when you need your drugs. Well, yeah, he's got, you know, that's when I need him. But when he, (laughs) (laughs) to see him underneath the bed of that neighbor guy and have the needle in his toe. That was pretty gross. Yeah. And was I was <laughs> I was just hoping for that neighbor to die and start attacking him. That sounds horrible, but I really was hoping uh, that. I was kind of disappointed he yeah, didn't die. Little, little zombie bite action while he's laying on the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, I thought something was going to be happening there, too, as well. But, yeah, it was just kind of showing, okay, Nick is actually lying to his mom. Which, I mean, what perfect thing to lie about. He's, he's saying, oh, I don't need the pills. Um, you know, cause yeah, I'm quitting. Then she's not going to be asking mm-hmm. or she's going to think that he actually got off the stuff. And so mm-hmm. he can go on doing what he needs to do, getting his drugs. Cause otherwise he has to completely give it up. Right. If he right. lies and everybody thinks that he's off it, then he can go sneak a little, uh, toe mm-hmm. action <laughs> from dead guy next door. Well, <laughs> that's why he looked a little alarmed when they were talking about him being sick. The other guy yes. said dead. The or not zombie, but the stiff. Yeah. <laughs> He's still alive, obviously. They're giving him morphine. Come on. That's right. Well, He's still kind of stiff. I also, just bringing it back to Maddie, <laughs> I also felt really sorry for her because like um, her opening scene, one of her opening scenes of the episode was when she was telling Travis about all the stuff that she has to do around the house and how she has to be the one to take care of, take care of everybody. And it was kind of like a slap in the face for her to find out that that Nick is still doing the drugs and and is still totally addicted to it, and that's all he really cares about. And after all that she's been through and putting her life in danger to go to the school to find the drugs that were hidden there by the police, um, and having to encounter Artie, the principal, and that was her first kill. Yeah. So everything that she's had to go through in order to help him out, and then he's just like shoving it in her face that he's not done with it yet. Hey man, needs his meds. Do you think she's got uh, Artie's head on the mantle? Yeah. No. I think she wants nothing to do with killing anybody. Mm. She's not that type of person. I mean, she will. She's a mama bear. She'll take care of, of things <laughs> if she needs to. But like kick some mama Liza bear. ass. She's a, she's a tough broad. She sure oh, wow. is. Yeah. We'll be taking some heads off before it's all over. I wouldn't want to cross her. 
But I, I already don't want to cross. I know, but but Madison's storyline, that whole the whole part of that for the for this episode was my favorite part of the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Okay. For real. Well, she was pretty. She was pretty predominant. Yeah, I I still thought um, getting a little bit more some of the background more on some of these other characters was good. Yeah. Salazar seemed to take kind of a back step, I thought, as far as relevance, even though his story was excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, there, he wasn't as prominent in the episode, mm-hmm. not at all. Considering his wife got snagged. Um, well, yeah, that kind of pulls him out of the picture completely. Yeah. <laughs> but that gives the opportunity to maybe we're going to find out what's happening through their eyes. Yeah. Well, I think I think we'll start seeing Salazar and uh, Travis maybe start working together a little bit. Yeah, because like yeah, I said, I think point. Travis is going to be angry as hell, and and obviously Salazar is too. Well, he definitely doesn't trust Doctor Exner. So. Oh yeah. Um, well, question I have is: Do you think she's a medical doctor? I was actually wondering oh, that because too. she kind of was so she was so accepting of um, Liza. Yeah, Liza being uh, not being a nurse. Yeah, well, I thought also it was just a, no. I thought it was more about the questions she was asking. They yeah, sound more of psychological questions that's than of exactly what I was medical say questions. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know. There's a big mystery around her. Like, I can't tell if she's really trying to help or if she's really into the military mindset. If she's she totally almost looks like in her it. hands are being forced, though. Like she doesn't want to be doing what she's doing. That's the feeling I was getting. I think from her. she's involved with whatever she's whatever they're doing, but it sounds like maybe she's got a guilty conscience over what's happening. Um, hmm. Maybe that's causing her to, you know, like when she told Liza to jump on board, we're going to need you back there. Yeah, I think she was kind of saying to her, "You need to watch these people." She, I think, is going to be a catalyst in the next episode. I bet um, for what's going to be happening with the family because obviously she's the one that split them all apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that Madison, actually, I bet Liza will have some words with her next episode because she basically lied to Liza about mm-hmm. taking Nick away because Liza didn't and know that Mr. was going to happen. Yeah, and Mr. And Salazar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but do you think she's going to be a good factor or a negative factor? You know, that's hard to say at this point. I would like to think that she will actually come around to their side of things and be a good factor. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to take a lot for her to come that way. Yeah, I think that uh, she's definitely going to be someone that impedes them a good bit going forward, but um, I think she'll have a chance to to help them out in the end. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how much she's going to impede them. Um, I mean, she may have to. I mean, she was quick to tell Mr. Salazar he could come along, mm-hmm. knowing that he couldn't. Yeah. But at the same time, her last comment to Liza, I think, told more about what she's got going on underneath her than than any of the other stuff. Because I think she was really saying, you know, hop on board, we're going to need you. And, and she meant by that is the people that they were taking away. Well, I think she actually said that specifically, yeah. didn't she? she? I mean, she said... Well, she said, we need you at the hospital. Okay. But what I'm talking I about she is said I think she was implying. No, she said we need you at the hospital. I think, but I think she was implying. Scott, that I, think they need you. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. <laughs> no. Fine. <laughs> no, actually, Scott, I agree with you. I think that. Ah, sorry. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. That's what you get stew. No, I think that she's saying that Nick, especially, is really going to need Liza, because Nick. Mm-hmm. Nick didn't know he was going to be taken away, so he's totally like um, in shock and upset. <laughs> high as hell. And high. <laughs> well, I think she also. I think she also knows that something really bad is going to happen to them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, and she's not on board with that part. Liza needs yes. to come along as a protector of these people because she knows them. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I think she is definitely uh, hinting at that. I think that she's in bed with whoever these military guys are too much mm-hmm. to actually probably help them herself, which is why she's telling Liza to come too. Well, I think this will probably be another one of those uh, um, characters that are involved in the big conspiracy, don't really like it, yeah, mm-hmm. but they're part of it, and end up 
sacrificing themselves at a later date. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe she'll do that so that so that they can serve, uh, escape. I mean, that's what I was saying. Jesus. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, just say it that way then. All right. <laughs> what a child. <laughs> Scott's oh. better with the word and. So that brings up another one of my favorite parts of this episode. Um, We already talked about the military, but I really liked how they were separating the main characters by taking them to the military hospital because Mm -hmm. that's a perfect way to set up their escape from the safe zone and for the families to try to get back together. And of course, that's going to probably result in a lot of mayhem and um, struggles on their part in order to get back together. And so it makes it harder for them to actually just get away, though. Well, because Maddie showed us it's pretty easy to get away. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you just go cut up a fence and walk away. Yeah, yeah. But again, I don't think the military are on their game yet. They don't. They probably think that people are scared to death and don't want to leave the safe zone. So mm-hmm. they're not patrolling as much as they could. Like, for example, the governor's people when they. I mean, they had the whole place walled off, so you really couldn't escape And by cutting something. You had to crawl over something. But they were always gunmen watching out. And I don't think the military uh-huh. are at that point yet where they realize that people aren't happy with where they are. Because remember, the guy in the back of the truck, the lieutenant, he even told them, like, you guys are the lucky ones. You guys get to ride this out in your own houses. And so, so the military still thinks that people are going to be okay there or going to want to be okay there. But... um like Doug, Doug was like the the first indication that not all is right within the walls because he doesn't know how to handle this situation. He doesn't know how to help tell his family that everything is going to be okay. Um, right, because he had cabin fever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd been stuck in that place for nine days without being able to go anywhere. Right, and so now that Madison and and Chris and Travis realize that there actually are people on the outside that are still alive and still trying to fight for their lives. Um, I think that's going, and plus now that their family members are in the hospital, um, that's going to be the catalyst to make them want to get out. But, you know, the thing that still strikes me as kind of odd is the fact that the military is obviously talking about other parts of the military. Yes. Like that there's something going on outside of there. So they, they are aware that there are people alive outside the, outside their fences. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, but yeah, you they, know... They, they talk about how there's nobody alive out there. Yeah, like, how would right. they know that someone but, else but didn't get out of one of the other uh, fences? Like, how far away are they? I mean, they keep talking these? about headquarters, yeah. you know? Yeah. Where's headquarters? And but you know the the thing though this this harpens back to uh, even the last episode and and the others where I don't understand why no one has a radio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why is no one listening to a radio? Pick up signals from outside. Well, I there, mean, there's a, there's an intent almost intentional um, lack of communication. Like all, well, that, you know, but Maddie Maddie says in the episode she goes, "There's just no new information." Well, when are they checking this? Are they just relying on what the military is saying to them? Of course they are. Yeah, they're totally believing what they're saying. I wouldn't. I'd be having a radio out. No, I'm not saying you should just listen to what they're saying, but that's what that's what they're presenting it as, that they're just taking their that. word for it. Right, I get that. But I guess in that respect, I, I don't find it very believable. No, but the other side of this is, are these guys, like, what are they? Are they um, Army, Marines, National Guard, like, you know... Um, Mm-hmm. How much of an organization do they actually have? They're How Halliburton. Much, yeah, exactly. I mean, are they, yeah, are they uh, contract guys? Um, they're obviously... No, they, they seem like they're real military, but... Well, the other thing is... Well, most of the contract guys were real military. We don't <laughs> yeah, really right. know what has happened in the past nine days. So they could have had the radio and have not gotten a signal forever. And maybe the 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 military is the only way they're getting any information. Especially if they're told... Well, I mean, they're controlling everything. They have a clock that says the, when the power turns mm-hmm. on. You know? I mean, these guys are conserving when the when these people get power, even. Mm-hmm. So they're controlling still, every aspect mm-hmm. of what they're doing. Yeah, but I, st- I still think it's human nature that uh, if you're cooped up in a situation like that, you're going to find every way you can to find out what's going on. Well, that's why Doug gets in his muscle car and drives to the fence and tries to get out. And Madison gets out, yep. 
Yeah, and Madison gets out. I mean, there, but it mm-hmm. took you know nine days. I mean, that just took too long for the. I mean, you know, for these guys to be telling you, you know, feeding you blocks of cheese and shit, and these people mm-hmm. are just sitting around not doing anything. Cheese. I mean, you can't get better than cheese mm-hmm. or bacon, but. I think also that just the idea of the military being present. Mm-hmm. is something really cool to see because we didn't really get that in The Walking Dead. We saw mm-hmm. um, the governor and his men took out a platoon of soldiers at one point. but right, bef- right. And right before they took those guys out, one of them had talked about how their base was overrun by walkers and um, right. they were the only ones who survived. So this is really cool, too, that we're getting to see how the military reacted to the apocalypse mm-hmm. And to see, like, this could be just a rogue unit. We don't know. I mean, the fact that he's telling, the lieutenant was telling the people that they needed to simmer down or he was going to have to shoot them. And he said it kind of under his breath. But you know, like, he seemed like he really meant it. He would shoot somebody if he had to. And um, Hell yeah. oh, I think it's and they were pretty aggressive in the house when they were taking Nick out. So I think this is really interesting to be able to see how the military reacted towards everything, and at what point does the military itself fall apart, and it's just one. For, I mean, everybody's for themselves, you know, and not not caring about other people. I don't think this is just one rogue unit, though, because they're obviously taking these people somewhere yes. else, and which in, which then tells you that there's another part to them somewhere, right? Um, the quote unquote headquarters. I still get the feeling though that these people are not being kept in there for their safety. There's something else no, going I, on. No, I don't know. I think they. I, I mean, I don't think they're like keeping them like cattle and just like picking them out. I mean, the people that they took out of there obviously had issues. They were taking the uh, Miss Salazar because she had the broken foot. They they were taking Nick because he's got you know issues with drugs. They weren't just taking like random people. Doug right, Doug but... was crazy guy. Right, but I'm still got to go back to the fact that there were people alive in those neighborhoods around there that they killed. Yeah, not zombies, people. Right. And why, if they were trying to make it safe, why would they kill? People? Well, see, that's I think that the whole reason that this breakout happened was it was probably a military situation. I have a feeling that it was a bioweapon that went wrong. And that somehow everybody got infected, and now the military's trying to clean up their mess. Well, it could be, but we'll never find that out. No, we won't. But that could explain why they're keeping people in these little groups. I mean, like, why did they choose this neighborhood, first of all? Yeah, but if but see, if that, if that were the case, then they would have to admit on the show that, that was the military was behind it. And I don't think they'll do that. No, that's true, but we might not ever find out anything about this military group. It might just all dissolve and move into a new story. But we're going to find out why they've got these people in this cage. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll find out. Maybe in the very next episode. Well. Find out what they're up to. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope we at least find out about the hospital. Right. Uh, as we'll talk about in a minute when we're talking about next week's episode. It talks about the fact that the National Guard's plan for the neighborhood will be revealed. Well, it makes me wonder if the lieutenant... And that answers is it's National Guard, by the way. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there that you question. go. Um, I, I was wondering if the lieutenant is trying is kind of taking on a governor type of role, and, and he's kind of... He's, he's ruling, but in a more sadistic way. I think he's just a bully. Mm-hmm. That's, that is how he is controlling the people. If you don't let right. him talk... If you say, okay, you're going to get this, or you're not going to get anything. It's kind of like how mm-hmm. I treat our kids. Right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yep, yep. Very effective. Exactly. Like, that's how I treat my students. It's like, you know. oh, don't make me sh- don't make me shoot you. Don't make me teach this to you one more time. It usually makes them cry, though. Hmm. But, you know, the funny thing is that he also, um, he addressed Travis as Mr. Mayor. Do you remember that? Yes, right. And I think he was being sarcastic. Because oh, he's see. the one, he's the one that everybody's listening to, right? Yeah, so he, he's calling him and Mr. It, and, Mayor, and the and the lieutenant's kind of a smartass. He's um, using him as his his speech to everybody else. Yeah, and and you know he's he throughout the show he belittled Travis. Yeah, and I think yeah that he was treats him. Another... He's like, yeah, you need to come over here before this turns into a situation. Yeah, even when he says to him, he says, uh, "Travis, can I talk to you?" And he goes, "I need to talk to you now." Oh yeah. When Travis didn't immediately walk over to him. 
Yeah. Now this guy's this guy's bullying Travis all over, and Travis is desperately trying to look for the positives to keep some kind of normalcy going. Mm-hmm. But uh, and this guy's taking advantage of it. I mean, you know that whole conversation they had when he was hitting golf balls. Mm-hmm. You know, and Travis said, "Well, you could have alerted the family," and he's like, "I'm not in the alert business. That's yours." Yeah. Go get go go alert away. That's true. He's a dick. He is. He really is. <laughs> I'm going to love it when he gets it. <laughs> Hopefully he'll be one of the first ones. Because I'm pretty sure we're going to see some walkers in the hospital next week. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that this made me think about was when Rick woke up in the hospital. And um, he walks outside and there's an obvious military presence. Right. And there's abandoned trucks and everything. But you also see the bodies that are like piled 10 high. And then there was the, the episode where they were at the big spot. And that was set up at like a refugee camp. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that area had been overrun, too. So um, it's really cool to think that now we're going to see the beginnings of what happened, what could have happened in those areas as well, um, with this hospital getting overrun, probably, with walkers. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of excited to see that, too. So that's cool. And let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, what about um who was it? Oh, Nick's good line with the doctor where he where she was talking about his heart rate being up. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and that was says, good. Well, that's a, right. You're a very attractive woman. <laughs> He's so suave. I wish he I wish he used the Seinfeld uh, you're so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I had actually forgotten about that line. That was awesome. Not yeah, the Seinfeld line. The no. one from Nick. Yeah. I think the only other thing I wanted to say was that um, I was going back to Susan and Alicia reading her letter at the end. And mm-hmm. you see her actually sitting on the bed, I think halfway through the, the episode and reading it. And that's right before she tattooed the mm-hmm. um, heart on her arm right. that her boyfriend had drawn. Yeah. And I think it, since she has such a close relationship with Susan, it took someone like Susan in the afterlife for uh-huh. Alicia to really fully understand what was happening mm-hmm. in the real world and for her to understand that her boyfriend's probably not coming back and that he's turning into a zombie. Um, and I, I really liked that moment too, cause it was that very poignant is, and it was, he's toast. Hmm. I, uh, unfortunately well, yeah. I have, I have to admit it. Maybe I didn't realize about the letter from Susan because I, I just kind of went in, into sleepy time whenever she her story came up. I just really didn't care. That's a shame because that was a really good part well, of the story, and I think it really yeah, helped Alicia come totally to grips with what was going on. Yeah, they're they're still still trying to <laughs> save her character, I guess. Yeah, I mean the fascination with the dead boyfriend just kind of like, eh, come on, let's move on. Dude's <laughs> <No>. toast. <laughs> We're always so ripping that poor girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> But she she did pull yeah she pulled the uh, drawing off the wall that had Susie on there my Susie yeah. or something like that on there yeah uh-huh. so. she had drawn when she was a kid yeah I, I cried yeah. oh did you buckets buckets I tell you yeah yeah no I really had to cry on I'll have to go back and watch it for a third time so I can get those scenes <laughs> yeah you should <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> on that note. Yeah, so unfortunately we didn't get any listeners writing into us this week about Come on, folks. the episode, so we have no listener feedback. Um, but one thing I will tell you is that Walker Stalker Con is in Philadelphia this weekend. That's September 26th and 27th, Saturday and Sunday. And most of the Walking Dead actors will be there. And for the very first time, they're going to have a Fear the Walking Dead actor, and that's going to be Tobias. Lincoln, nice. yeah, Lincoln, how do you say his name? Castellanos, I think. Well He's said. Gonna, <laughs> he has nothing else to do right now. I know. He's going to be there both days of the con. So if anybody's in the Philadelphia area, you should definitely go and check it out. Um, I think I've told you guys before that I volunteer there every year. And it's a really good con in that it's different from most of them where we have a, a family atmosphere. Kids are definitely welcome. And... There are definitely some gory things, so of course, you know, take kids at your own risk. But um, everybody's really nice and very helpful, and 
part of our mission of being volunteers at the convention is to make sure that our um, attendees have the best time of their entire lives. And so I think you guys would really enjoy it. So definitely go and check it out if you can. And then Halloween, Atlanta, Walker Stalker Con will be that weekend. So mm. that's going to be awesome. Halloween. Are our kids going to that one, Kim? Possibly. If they're not too scared. But that, <laughs> that one is I seriously a, doubt it. I seriously I know, doubt it. I know. It's sad. But um, that one's a three-day event. Or most of them are two days. But Atlanta's the yeah. big one. So all the actors from The Walking Dead. And I'm sure they're going to announce more Fear of the Walking Dead actors that will be there at Atlanta. Um, they're just not allowed to yet. But um, until after Philadelphia happens. But of course... So that's this 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 Halloween? Yeah, this Halloween. Cool. But... Um, uh, Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus will definitely be at that one. That's the only one that Andrew Lincoln goes to. So definitely go to Walker Stalker Con over Halloween if you can. It's a trip. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that wraps up our recap of the episode. So we're going to go take a break. We'll be back. Welcome back, everyone. And now we have just a few news items to go with, over with you for the um, next week. Um, first of all, the season opener title for The Walking Dead has been announced finally. The episode is going to be called First Time Again. Um, no description has been released yet, but we've heard from reports that I've already told you guys about that we're supposed to have over 300 zombie extras supposedly, in the season opener. Awesome. Um, I hope they have big sandwiches. Yeah. I've also (laughs) heard reports that those zombie extras are going to be spread out over episode one and two. Wow. So, who knows? But it sounds like there's obviously a horde coming. So, um, and they're going to be defending Alexandria. And they're going to be moving very slow since they're spread out over two episodes. It's going to be Valley of the Dead. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that obviously, um, uh, happens on October, what is that? 11th? 9th? I don't know, but 11th. it doesn't sound very obvious. I don't do dates. <laughs> it's not obvious. <laughs> I think the 9th is the, um, season premiere at Madison Square Garden that everybody is in the world is winning tickets to except me. And then, um, that Sunday is the 11th. So. Okay. Scott, did you win tickets to that? Yes, I did. Thank oh, you. Oh, that's good. Stuart, did you win any tickets? Yeah, I, I got some. Oh, okay. That's good. Uh, all of my friends from Walker Stalker are winning tickets, and I didn't get anything. Sucks. Anyways. All right. So the next news item is that the Emmy Awards were last night, and Game of Thrones won the Emmy for Outstanding Drama, and they also won a total of 12 Emmys last night, which means they have won the most enemies by a series in a single year. So they broke a record last night. And absolutely nobody watched it because it got the lowest ratings of Emmy, 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 any Emmy ever. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Emmy, Emmy, Emmy. Ever. I didn't even know it was happening until I heard that the Game of Thrones won. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great for them. <laughs> yeah, nobody watched evidently. But I think it's the first time that the Emmys have recognized a show like the Game of Thrones. They'll never recognize The Walking Dead, so Game of Thrones might as well win. Will they not? Has The Walking Dead never gotten anything? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Huh? I have no well, idea. I, just, I, I, I could care less. <laughs> Maybe if they put Frasier on it, it would work. <laughs> yeah, sad but All true. Right. Last but not least, today is Stephen King's birthday, 68 years old. Happy birthday, Mr. King. Happy birthday. Watch out for traffic. (laughs) Oh, getting hit by the van. (laughs) I just got that. That's so sad. Duck and roll. (laughs) (laughs) Several years ago, if you guys did not know, Stephen King got hit by a van. He almost died. <laughs> Nothing to laugh about. Uh, and it's, not at and all. only on his birthday do we bring that up. 
Yes. All right. All right. So is that it for the news, Cam? Well, did it happen on his birthday? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. Go back to sleep, Stu. <laughs> okay, um, sorry. Yeah. Good night. Where's my pillow? Oh, my God. Yes. That's it. All right. That's it for our news items. Okay. So for next week on Fear the Walking Dead, um, we're looking at episode number five, which is Cobalt, which actually was thrown around as the original name of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, glad they didn't stick with that. Um, the National Guard's plan for the neighborhood is revealed, and Travis and Madison make a difficult decision. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. wonder what that could be. Um, <laughs> pie or cake? Um, that will be directed by Carrie Scogland. Um, she did last week's episode, which I thought was excellent. I'm very much looking forward to what she's going to do with it this week. So, guys, what do you think we might be looking at this week? We are going to see... Hopefully some walkers in the hospital. And I think we're going to see a lot more of the struggle of whether they stay or leave the safe zone. And I think we're going to see more of the military throwing their weight around. And Hmm. probably hmm, hmm, strife inside the hospital is all I can think. Well, I'm hoping we're going to see, since they kept us caged in this entire time, we're going to see what's going on outside the fences, uh, both with this headquarters that they're talking about and just, uh, you know, what's just outside the perimeter. Um, so I'm hoping that, uh, Travis, uh, balls up and actually (laughs) decides Uh to stop trusting the military guys and tries to find out a way to get his family unit out of this place. Uh Um, and whether it's worth it. Uh, you know, if, if leaving it, leaving them is actually worth it and going out into the city. I think it's going to be another great episode. Yeah, I think we're going to be looking at uh, a good man going to war. I think uh, Travis is going to be royally pissed and he's going to start behaving badly. Um, yeah. Causing problems. And uh, I also think that we're going to find out the reason for this cage is a lot more nefarious than we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I'm kind of excited to see what happens with Daniel Salazar, too. Like, um, how much information he might be sharing with Travis about his experience with the military and during the uprising in uh, El Salvador. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Well, thanks, Kim. I, I appreciate that input. That was uh, very well worth our time. Um, <laughs> thanks. And now... <laughs> thankfully we get saved by terror time with scott today we're going to talk about william forston's book one second after in this entertaining apocalyptic thriller a high altitude nuclear bomb of uncertain origin explodes unleashing a deadly magnetic pulse that instantly disables every electrical device in the u.s and elsewhere in the world Airplanes, most cars, cell phones, refrigerators, all are fried as the country plunges into a literal darkness. History professor John Matherson, who lives with his two daughters in a small North Carolina town, soon figured out what has happened. Aided by local officials, Matherson begins to deal with such long-term effects of the disaster as starvation, disease, and roving gangs. In the tradition of On the Beach and Failsafe, this book is a dire warning about what our future could be. Before publication, this book was being cited on the floor of Congress as a book every American should read. The Pentagon considers it a very realistic look at the weapon and its awesome power to destroy the entire U.S. in one second. I found it to be a very well-written and compelling story that is character-driven and uh, scary as hell. Forston has recently published a, a sequel to this book called One Year After, This book takes place two years after the bombs were dropped when America was brought to its knees. I haven't read this one yet, but it is next on my uh, reading list. So, in conclusion, if anybody loves a good apocalyptic story, this is a great one. So go ahead and buy a copy and write into the show and let me know what you think. Next week we'll discuss... uh, Well, I'm not sure. So uh, hopefully I'll figure it out before then. Ha! Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you sharing that one with us. And um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. 
You can find us on iTunes. Go and subscribe now. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Fear Me Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us and send us your thoughts, please do. On any of the episodes uh, that we've posted so far, please email us at fearmepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes because every time you guys give us a five-star rating, it bumps us up a little bit. So thanks. Yeah, every time. Every time. Come on, people. We need some love. Yeah, more than one. (laughs) (laughs) Just a reminder, we also have our website up and running now fearmepodcast.com. So go check it out. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Fear Me Podcast. We'll be back again next week to review another episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.